0: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. show, show. It's Welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us again. Shannon Smith Shooting Show. As always, appreciate your listenership, uh, uh, getting all pretty good feedback in general. If you guys have any questions you want me to talk about, be sure and hit me up on Facebook or uh, website or email. I keep a log of them, and if they tie into my topic I feel like talking about for the day, great. Uh, if not, days like today, I'm just going to bang out a couple of questions and kind of rapid fire them. Uh, but I do try to get to uh, every question that I get That's that's not totally dumb. Not a whole lot shooting going on right now. We have a local, uh, just finished a Florida State match recently. I got a local three-gun competition this weekend. Hopefully, my shotgun loads are going better. I've been working at them a little bit. Amazing what a little practice does. I just learned of a a CrossFit shooting competition or a physical fitness shooting competition. Hashtag first rule. In April in North Florida, it's called the Siege. Put on by uh, Anthem CrossFit and Core Shooting Solutions, I think it is. So I'm gonna, I'm really gonna try to make that. It sounds awesome. As you may, as you may or may not know, I did one down here a few years ago. It's coming up on four years now, I guess. or three years, uh, CrossFit shooting deal that was awesome. Uh, really loved it. Got Great feedback on that, but just never, uh, never did another one for no good reason. You I know, mean, so much going on down here that's not really our core thing, but I think there's definitely, uh, definitely something, something there if it's if it's put on the right uh, the right way. The downside is it's the same weekend as the Area Six Pistol Championship, which I can't miss obviously. So it's going to be a little bit of a schedule swing to see if I can pull it off uh, that. And I've been a super slug this year for multitude of reasons. I have all kinds of good excuses, uh, all of which suck. So I need to get back on the horse and get working out uh, consistently. I've hitting the gym occasionally, just not uh, not consistently. And like anything else in the world, you got to be consistent at it. Uh, so that looks interesting. They've got a website, I think, or they got a Facebook page, or or something. But I'll I'll update more on it on my social media as I figure out what's going on. Uh, other than that, we'll jump into some questions here. This came on these all came off of uh, Facebook. Did you know Facebook had a messenger system thing, Imager? So I had a whole lot of messages in my Facebook shooting page that I've totally missed before. So I may or may not catch up on some of those. Uh, that's where these came from. The first one's from Philip. He asks about, uh, talking about open division, uh, 9mm major versus 38 uh, Super Comp or 38 Super Auto. He asked, which do I prefer? No, because he knows that I I made a switch a few years back. And he also asked, is there any, any reason other than uh, brass savings to a shoot nine major. Um, the answer to that is no. There is no reason to go major nine other than saving money on brass. Um, I didn't. I didn't take note at the world shoot or or national level stuff. But it's pretty obvious the top guys are are all shooting thirty eight. And the uh, the only reason the only reason I did it like number one I don't pick up brass. So that's that gets gets kind of expensive with with 38, and but when I when I made that decision, which I've talked about before, but when I made that decision to go uh, try out for the open open team for the World Shoot, that's a you know it's a pretty long process, and and about that time, which was, I mean, when I was when I was kind of hemming and hawing about it, we're talking about uh, 2000. 12 13 ish um, and there was if you remember there was kind of an ammo crunch going on at the time and it was tough to get super brass uh, at any cost it was just tough to get it much less the price you were paying for it so knowing that if I'm you know if I'm really going to make a run at this you know three year two year qualification process plus a year of training leading up to it I was going to have to shoot a lot a lot a lot more than I was shooting at the time, especially in open division. And that's the only reason I made the decision to go to 9 millimeter is that I knew I could get ammo or at least get ammo more readily uh, and at a, at a reduced cost. I, I haven't loaded in a while. Um, I loaded for many, many years. But in 2010, I moved and took my machines down. And I bounced around for a couple of moves there for a while before I got stable here again where I'm at. And just never set them back up. And then, again, back to the excuses. But you know, just life gets in the way. I have a new baby. I, a, I have a forty-minute one-way commute, and it's just there's no there's no time for me to load ammo. Period. Uh, so I haven't loaded in eight years now, which is hard to believe. So all that being said, that's um, that's the only reason I made a decision. Uh, is as to which do I prefer? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, knowing that I'm probably not probably not going to go back to thirty-eight. Um, I guess you could say I prefer nine, but it's not better at best case scenario. I think it's the same, um, you know, my 38 super comp, I'm, I'm not a technology guy. I don't, I don't chase the, um, the latest whiz bang. And if you put a hole in the bottom of the barrel and then a route tube and another hole out the side of the barrel, it's going to reduce recoil But you know, I don't chase all that stuff. I like to find something that works, that's reliable and and practice and, and spend time and, and roll with it. So my, my favorite open gun was a you know, pretty much full size 38 uh, Super Comp with, with an unported barrel, a big, heavy, you know, relatively heavy gun. And it you didn't have that, that those gas ports coming out at you. And, and those bothered me for a long time when I shot guys with, uh, when I shot guys' guns with holes in them. Yeah, I felt that little, that little for that little blast in the face when you when you pull the trigger and it was I think it leads to flinching and distractions and so I just never liked them uh, so I never had them and my guns were fine I mean I was never won the open nationals but I was you know top five a few times and you know running, up, running right up there at the top so the guns are certainly capable uh, when I went to nine uh, you pretty much have to have the holes so uh, Derek at Millennium Custom is a uh, You know, the best gun builder in the world, in my opinion, and never wanted me to never wanted to build me nine millimeter just from a reliability standpoint and the ejection and the casings and the tapered brass and all that jazz. And, you know, I trust him and I just did what he said until we got to that to that place where I couldn't get ammo, couldn't get brass. I was like, look, dude, we got to We got to go nine. That's the time the the micro dots were getting more popular and uh, the RTS twos and things like that. So that talked him into doing it. That they that the, the, that we had the smaller dot, that you could clear the ejection port with the mount, and thereby increase reliability. So that's that's what I did, and uh, I was happy with the decision. I mean, I shot him side by side, and again, this has been five years now. It's been a while, but um, I didn't notice a lot. I mean, the 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 nine or the nine is a bit more violent, a bit snappier but not dramatically. I mean, I've shot a lot of nine, nine guns, my, my students' guns and friends' guns, and some of them are just nasty violent. Uh, there's no way I could shoot them crazy loud and you know, crazy gas coming out of, the, out of the barrel. It's just not my thing. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Some guys don't have a problem with it, but I didn't like it at all. The ones that Derek built with the hybrid barrels were, were pretty good. I mean, relatively speaking, it's a pretty soft gun. And then when the metal, you know, it's about the same time the metal grips are coming around. We went with the metal grips. Now you're getting more weight on the bottom of the gun, so I think performance is good. I would say, I would say it's on par. If you get a properly set up nine, I'd say it's on par with 38, not better, but on par. If I felt it was holding me back, I wouldn't have, I would have competed in the world championship on the U.S. team with a inferior gun. Uh, so it's just not that. I, mean, I, I don't feel that at all. Uh, reliability was hundred percent with me the gun was great the um only problem i had was like you've heard me talk about 100 times is those rts's are are junk and they kept breaking and there's really no other good alternative so i ended up going back to the uh traditional upright seymour on a mount and the sideways seymours are, are stupid that's the dumbest idea ever in my opinion uh, again some people run them with success and that's fine but You've got a massive tumor of electronics up there in the way of your peripheral and transitions. And again, there's no way I could shoot one of those. So went back to the upright uh, Seymours and and they were okay. Now, all I ran was new brass between the time I made that switch and the world shoot, because that was was an uncomfortably close last minute change after I lost confidence in the RTSs. And uh, they were good. I mean, I had no problems with that upright mount. But again, it was all new brass. So I wasn't picking up brass and reloading or were that close to the world shoot. Uh, I was fine with just buying new and running with it from there. Uh, and since the world shoot, I honestly haven't shot open at all. If, I think I shot, I shot one day uh, during a class. But other than that, I've been shooting other things, uh, PCC, Glocks, and just goofing off and having fun. So I uh, still haven't gotten around to shooting a, a large amount of once fired or, or used brass so I don't know how the, um, how, the mount, how the mount system, that upright mount would work on that. But again, there's a lot of guys that do. There's plenty of dudes running upright mounts with nine major and, and not having a lot, of, a lot of problems. I have seen plenty of them, but you know, not, not enough to make them change. So that's my theory on the, on the nine major versus 38. Next question is from Kevin. Says he's a B-class shooter. He spends his time practicing uh, what he calls match skills which is reloading on the move, uh, general movement techniques, uh, entering and exiting positions, etc. But he shoots classifiers like crap. Uh, he wants to move up, should I should I practice class <clears throat> Excuse me, should I practice classifier skills? Standing draw, six reload six, that that type of stuff or continue with the normal practice routine? Um uh, I mean the, the, they're not what you call classifier skills are, are not bad skills to have. You know, a good speed load, a good draw, good transitions. Uh, it's not going to hurt you by any stretch of the imagination. But I would, I would, I would answer the question with a question in that, what are you, what is your main focus? Or goal, maybe is the better word. Uh, is your goal to move up in class? Or is your, goal to, is your goal to be a better competitive shooter? And those aren't the same thing. You know, If your sole goal were to move up in class and there's nothing wrong with it, if that's your goal, if you want to be a GM, so you can tell your your buddies at the office you're a GM, nothing in the world wrong with that at all. Uh, if that's the case, then, yeah, you need to practice classifier skills. You need to, and specifically the draw and the reload. Uh, every classifier, well, not every, but the vast majority of the classifiers have a draw and a reload and a little piddly 12-round uh, run that you're going to be doing in you know, two and a half to, to five seconds depending on the stage. And if you think about your draw time and your reload time in the compass of uh, four, five, six, seven second stage, that's taken up a good portion of it. So the, the the big major key to being successful in classifiers and putting down good classifier scores is a, a lightning draw and a lightning reload. And then you need to bounce that off your goal for that day at that match so it's if a if it's a local match and it has their the one classifier stage you know again if your sole goal is to move up in class you need to not worry about that local match that day because you're about to tank the classifier and you got to go at it aggressive Uh, classifier percentages are are pretty high I mean it takes a it takes a really good run to put up a good score on classifiers Uh, Some of them, they've got some new ones coming in now that probably aren't so bad. But any of the older ones have been shot so many times. The hit factors are astronomical. Uh, and It's really got to be a hero run. Uh, And How do you do a hero run? Well, you know, you've heard me talk about fundamentals. You use different fundamentals for a different target. You know, a lot of gripping and ripping, a lot of target focus, a lot of uh, aggressive trigger technique. Uh, Stuff that you wouldn't do if it were a state championship area championship match that you cared about that type of thing uh, you have to you have to be able to let it let loose and let it go a little bit again if that's your goal to move up via classifiers and work uh, work your draws and reloads as i said in dry fire if your goal is to be a better competitive shooter uh then i would say probably st- do do uh stick with doing what you're doing you know again it's a classifier skill as you call it the 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 reload drills a six reload six those type of things uh, are not going to be detrimental so there's no harm in throwing uh, one or two or a half dozen of those in during a practice session but as you are well aware uh, a match is much different than a classifier Uh, so those there are different skill sets required to do well in matches than classifiers but you uh, may or may not know me if you've ever train with me or heard me talk about it, you know, everything comes down to executing the fundamentals of marksmanship. You know, what type of target, are you, at what distance are you, are you engaging? That's gonna govern uh, how we shoot the gun. That's gonna govern how we use the sights and how we use the trigger. And that's, that's true for any stage across the board. You know, all the movement techniques and everything matter. But remember, everything in our game is timed by the shot, by a bullet going off. You know what's your draw time from the buzzer to the shot? What's your reload time from the shot to the shot? Uh, how fast can you get into this into that position from this position? Well, last position from that shot, first position, or uh, last shot from that position, first shot from this position. So everything's timed from shot to shot, and putting down a uh, accurate shot quickly uh, comes back to fundamentals of marksmanship. So uh, you know, I'm a broken record in class. Everything comes back to that and I really try to drill home, bring home that that's what matters and grasping it. I, I can say it to you, but you gotta get it, man. You gotta understand that engaging this target with this type of sight picture, this type of trigger control, that's what ends up being fast. And, you know, you use it on the other extreme. How do you shoot a 25 yard plate rack fast? You take six shots. You know, it, it doesn't matter what, what technique you're using. If you shoot six times versus nine on a 25 yard plate rack, is going to be faster, so you know, not missing is the key back there. So not a hundred percent answer, but kind of depends on what your what your main focus is and what's your what you're looking for out of your practice sessions. And last question for the day from Peter. He's a B class shooter, pushing to make A. Uh, IDPA shooter as well, an expert. Uh, last year at the Florida State match in IDPA, was most accurate. I will add, though, that's probably only because I tagged a no shoot first thing in the morning in bad lighting conditions. <laughs> not that I'm a competitor or anything. Uh, he said he seems to uh, sometimes go fast and then slow. Seventeen to twenty splits in USPSA, and then the, to finish out and answer the que- or ask the question, he says, "Can you talk about cadence drill uh, Can you talk about cadence and drills to help out?" Uh, so he didn't really specify, or I or I'm not reading. Uh, the question 100% correctly, but seems to go fast then slow. 17 to 20 splits in USPSA. Uh, so I don't know if you consider 17 to 20 splits fast or slow, but I certainly consider them fast, and uh, especially depending on what type of gun you're shooting. I'm guessing you shoot production, uh, especially if it's a polymer gun. Those are hellacious splits in, in my old opinion. Uh, but I don't put a lot of uh, I don't put a lot of credence in splits. They, uh, they sound cool, but normally for your average shooter, the, they're, they're, they're very nervous about cranking that trigger twice, and they know they're about to crank it twice. Uh, you really see it, and, and the, more, the more technology on the gun, the more evident it is. So a three-gun rifle, for example, uh, it's really evident there. Uh, so what happens is that they're going to crank a crazy split. You know, heavy gun, long barrel, light trigger, dot sight, close target. I mean, everything in the world you want to be able to crank out some splits. But because they know they're about to crank two, essentially one sight picture and, and ripping the ripping the trigger, and they're, they're trusting the technology of the gun to keep them on target, which it will do. Uh, But because they know they're about to crank that trigger twice, they spend too much time aiming. So they're really making sure that dot's in the middle of the target, in the middle of the scoring zone, and then they hammer on the trigger twice. So they're giving themselves the best the most margin for error by aiming in the middle and then cranking the trigger twice. Uh, It's very impressive sounding. I mean, cranking, cranking 9, 10, 11 splits out of an open gun or 10 splits out of a rifle it sounds cool but what generally happens is they spend too much time aiming and they lose whatever they gained in splits and it's all and that's all in transitions so you're coming into a target they jam the gun over there let it wobble around and settle down for two tenths of a second three tenths of a second and then crank an 11 split where You know, I'm probably going to shoot a 20-25 split, um, but the first shot's going to go off the instant the gun lands in the acceptable scoring zone of the target. So I'm saving that front half and making it up in the transition when I'm losing in the split. Uh, And this is true for pistol or rifle. And this is just a basic transition drill, you know, eyes ahead of the gun, picking the right spot on the target, driving that gun to that spot. Um, I do use a cadence drill as as, uh, as Peter describes, but I use it in a different reason. And it's a drill for drill's sake. It's not how I would shoot a bank of targets. So if you had, for example, three targets in front of you at um, close range, you know, ten yards, twelve yards, something like that, uh, there is a drill that I use that I fired two rounds per target per target, and I call it a cadence drill. Uh, you fire two rounds per target, and the goal of the drill is your splits and transitions are the same time. So you have to uh, intentionally slow down your split. Otherwise, you could never transition as fast as you could split. So you have to slow down your split a little bit in order to be able to meet the time hack. And that's the goal of the drill is meeting the time hack. It's not about how fast you can shoot. Um, and we, that's how I work transitions. So eyes ahead of the gun, picking that spot, driving the gun over, trying to work that trigger. So that the instant the gun lands in the scoring zone, the gun goes off. But again, that's not how, that's not how I would shoot a bank of three targets. But that skill, that skill set transfers over. So then when you go to the match and you've got the same bank of three targets, I'm not going to intentionally slow down my splits. So I'm not going to be meeting that cadence. The splits are going to be faster. But you're carrying over that skill of firing the gun at the earliest possible moment that it's on target or in the proper scoring zone. Thereby saving massive amounts of time in transitions. Uh, the biggest, uh, the biggest time waster in the game, in my opinion, is is getting into position and getting a shot off, and then the second biggest is is uh, transitions. There's a whole lot of transitions in a USPSA stage, and especially on a big stage. And if you're behind the power curve a tenth or two, there, you know that's multiplied by by every time you're you're moving to a new target. So I wouldn't worry, I mean if you're a B class USPSA, you're starting to figure out, you're starting to get pretty good. Uh I wouldn't worry about about cranking a fast split. You're not you're not losing the time there. You're most likely losing the time in transitions. And that's just getting the gun to go off earlier in the target. And it depends on the target size and distance as to what fundamental I'm using for that target. So the same, same transition it's, um, I don't know, a 35 degree transition or something, let's say, you know, that same, that same transition distance of 35 degrees uh, is gonna be a drastically different fundamental if the target is, if the target I'm transitioning to uh, or from, I guess, uh, is 10 yards away versus 20 yards away. And that's just, that's just toggling or throttling between what fundamentals you're using. Uh, but, this, but the techniques and the, the theory on the transition is the same. Still eyes ahead of the gun. Still working that trigger. But on a closer target, I may go ahead and ignite the gun as it lands in the scoring zone. On a um, longer range or more difficult target, I'm probably just going to prep the trigger a little bit, have it ready. So I, as that gun settles, maybe I'm shifting my maybe I'm shifting my focus to the side if it's a tough shot. But as the gun settles, I have the trigger as ready as it can be to then finish off the pull and and break the shot. So I hope that answers your question, Peter. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the input, guys. Hope you guys are getting out and getting some practice down. Weather's getting good around the country. Matches are starting to kick off. Uh, Florida Open coming up soon. That's gonna be pretty awesome. It's the biggest Florida Open we've ever had. Uh, 20th anniversary, we're giving away Ducati. And we have some other exciting things unannounced yet. So it's gonna be a good time. I hope you can make it down for that match. In the meantime, get out and practice, and I'll see you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, stands a real blade of grass.